0: Alright, well this morning we're going to continue from the book of Galatians and over the summer we've been taking a look at this book in the New Testament that Paul wrote to the churches there and we've been taking a look at uh, how important it is to really uh, understand what you believe about God and what you believe about Jesus and uh, for some of us that might mean we didn't believe about God before at all and so it's a wake up to say, wow, is there even really a God and to look at Uh, as John was just saying, about the central figure in history of Jesus, and what does that mean, and is it okay to believe some things about Jesus? And Paul comes and writes this letter because he went to an area where he taught about Jesus, he taught all about what Jesus did and what he taught, and about his death and his resurrection, and now in heaven that Jesus is coming again, and people believed the message that Paul brought. And then Paul went away to teach others, and he heard uh, through the grapevine that the things he taught to this early church Now other teachers had come in and taught something totally different. And now Paul's writing to bring correction. And the two things in Christianity back in Paul's day, and I think for the last 2,000 years, the two extremes that we're always sort of fighting, both begin with the letter L. One is the word legalism, and that's what we've been teaching about and how grace versus legalism over these last several weeks and months and how there's something that we want to do to be in control that we can try to make ourselves right with God by the things we do, by how good we are, by our good deeds, all those different things. And so we put expectations on ourselves and on others to follow certain rules and regulations that will get us right with God. So that's one extreme. The other extreme is license, and that if God's forgiving, and God's so loving, and God's so wonderful, I can do anything, and God will forgive me. So let's eat, drink, and be merry. Let's party and we can do whatever we want because I've got freedom to do whatever I want. And then I'll just ask for forgiveness at the very end. And those are the two extremes. And Paul comes and brings teaching and he addresses those two things. And in capsule summary, Paul's saying, hey, there's nothing you can do to get right with God on your own strength. The whole Testament proves that fact. Okay? The Jewish people tried to live a right life to get right with God and they couldn't do it because as soon as you break one rule, it's like you've broken them all and you can try to have an external form but on the inside, you're not right with God. And the world proves that you can have freedom to do whatever you want but that freedom usually leads to bondage pretty quick. And so we get free to do different things and we found out, we get wrapped up and actually we're put in bondage. So we think we're free but we're not really. And Jesus is the answer to both of those two L's, legalism and license. And that's what we've been discussing. We're going to take a look at it further today. And John spoke last week about when we follow Jesus, we make him Lord of our lives, when we say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, he puts the spirit within us. And John talked about this last week. You can listen to it on the website. And it's like this. He puts his spirit within us. So John gave this great example of being in that safari Uh, and following the leader, that if you went to the left or the right, you could be eaten, okay? So you get behind the leader, and when you follow the leader, you're pretty sure that you're going to obey what the leader says. That's what it's like to follow Jesus. He puts his spirit within us, and now he's the leader, and we want to follow the leader. And today, where we're going to pick up things in Galatians, is as you follow the leader, there's two things with that. One is, you take some ownership in that, because you're a fallen leader, but it's in the context of your leading, You're following Jesus with others around you. So it involves you, but it's not all about you. And we're going to say today in Galatians 6, how following Jesus and being filled with the Holy Spirit and being Spirit-led is worked out in community, okay? So let's read our scripture today. We're going to back up just where John finished off last week about the difference between if you follow your flesh, if you follow the world, you follow the devil, it leads to destruction. But if you follow Jesus and his spirit, this is what you get. But the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So that's our independent way of living without God. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is where we pick it up today. Brothers, so as in brothers in Christ, if anyone is caught in any transgression, or another translation might say sin, if anyone's caught in any sin or transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. All right, let's dive in here and take a look at some of the things of what it means to have a spirit-filled life in the context of community. And the first R word that we're going to take a look at today is restoration. Again, we'll just read 1 and 2. Paul writes, Brothers, if anyone's caught in any transgression or sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. The first question we have to ask ourselves and just looking at our lives, is how do we deal with sin? How do we deal with transgressions? And sin is described a lot of different ways in the Bible. Sin is described as when we break God's commandments. So some examples, we have the Ten Commandments. So if we lie, if we steal, if we curse and take the Lord's name in vain, all these different things, if we break those, that's sin. We've transgressed. We've broken God's law. Okay, So that's one way of looking at sin. Another way is that we miss the mark. The Bible says, like, you're shooting an arrow, you're supposed to hit the target, and you miss it, okay? We miss the mark of what God has for us. A lot of it has to deal with heart issues as well. So sometimes externally, we can do the right things, but on the inside, maybe our motivation is wrong. Maybe our motivation is greed or pride, and we do things to look good, and we think maybe that's even being religious. But inside, we know, you know what? I'm not really doing this for Jesus. I'm really doing it for me, and that's sin as well. Some, it's what we worship. What do we put our focus and our energy? What stirs us? What's passionate? What are we passionate about? And if it's not Jesus, then even though it might be good things, all those things are sin. So it's quite a big topic. And whether you're a Christian or not, that affects you. Because a lot of times we ask, what's going on in the world? Why do people do the things? Why do I even do things? And we use different words in society that the Bible calls sin. And sin transgressions, it also does this, as we mentioned earlier. Okay? Paul uses the word, if anyone's caught. If you get in sin, it's like getting into quicksand. It's like an entanglement. And this is our sort of deception sometimes in the world. We think we're free and we're fall, you know, we can make all our decisions, but when we make choices that are away from God, that break God's law, that aren't worshipful to God, it's like an entanglement. Okay? It's like that line that comes up and gets entangled. And this is what happens, folks. As you get involved in sin, it goes deeper and deeper and deeper. Because the thing with sin is you never get satisfied. So, we see it all the time. Okay, We're going to see it in a couple weeks time, Frosh Week University. Okay, If I have a drink, in order to escape, in order to have a good time, in order to be social, and that drink leads to usually another drink, which leads to another drink, and People wake up the next day, and they don't remember everything, and they're like, how did I get to this spot, okay? That's just one example, and the Bible says, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, the point being, okay? Sin, you think, if I just taste it, I'll be satisfied, it just leads to you to not being satisfied, so you go deeper, and Paul's saying this, if anyone's caught, so that caught is like entangled, like you're trapped, and some of the pictures were helpful in worship of just understanding that. If anyone's caught in any transgression, what do we do with that? And I just want to spend some time looking at what do we personally do? Okay, if, you're, if I'm the one caught in sin and I recognize it, and what do we do when we see other people caught in sin? Okay, and the first thing we have to take a look at is this. We want to get right with God and the outworking of that is we get right with others. So let me just talk about two categories here for a moment, okay? And I put the word up here, separated or distant. Getting right with God, this is it. If you're caught in sin and you've never, in a sense, got right with God, and uh, it's interesting um, how this comes about. um, If you've ever worked with anyone who's dying, and a lot of times you'll see this in movies, at the end they'll say something like this, you know, did you make peace (laughs) with God? Did you get right with God? And it's like, what does that mean? mean. And so if we're caught in sin, first of all, if you don't know Jesus, then there's a position that you're in. Okay? And we're gonna get to if you're already a Christian in a minute. But if you're, as John said, won't consider yourself a Christian, you're like, okay, whether you know it or not, the Bible says that you're out of Christ, that you're in sin. You were born into sin. And you are separated right here from God. So not only are you distant, you're separated and John used the word, okay, the biblical word, we're dead to God. And so in order to get right with God, we need to follow what we're going to take a look at, this whole thing of being restored and restoration, and there's a process to that. If you're a Christian, okay, and I'm going to explain this in a minute as well, actually you follow the same thing. The answer to both is we go to Jesus. So if you've never come to Jesus before and you're like, how do I get right with God? The answer is you come to Jesus. If you're already a Christian and you've been saved, you're like, how do I get out of this sin and how do I go about it? What do you do? It's the same answer. We come to Jesus. And there's a process to that we want to take a look at. Okay. And the great thing about this is it really shows God's heart. And it shows Paul's heart revealing God's heart. Is the goal of any time we're caught in sin is this. The goal is always restoration. That's a great attitude. That's a great place to start from. What do we mean by restoration, okay? Right out of the dictionary, okay? To bring back to a former, original condition. So if you're not a Christian, you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian, you're asking yourself, what does that mean? Being restored and making peace with God, getting right with God is, you were meant to be in relationship with God, but sin separates us from God. And so biblically, Adam and Eve, God's first creation, walked with God in the garden, They had relationship with God. That's how it should be. They walked with God. They could hear God's voice. They weren't ashamed. They had a great relationship with God. That's what we're meant to be, being made in God's image, male and female. But sin separates. It destroys. And so restoration, the ultimate restoration is when we become Christians, is we're restored to that original condition of having a relationship with God that we get to call God our Father. Before then, you can't. You can call God maybe creator, but you can't, from, with peace with God, say, Abba, Father. And that's the good news here this morning, is that the ultimate restoration is actually becoming a Christian and saying, I repent, that's the first step, that's, I turn away, I'm walking this way, doing my own thing, following whatever, and I turn around, and now I'm going to follow Jesus, that's a mind and a will decision, it's a heart decision, it involves confession. We confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. We confess our sins. that We fall short of God's glory. We recognize, and we put our trust in Jesus, you're the only way. We have to deal with being forgiven. Okay? That there's things that we've done wrong that we need to be forgiven. And Jesus paid the price on the cross. That's why the cross, that symbol, is central to everything, because he paid it on the cross the consequences. He took the penalty for our sin. And we can be forgiven, legally forgiven, and then the feelings come as well of being forgiven, and having peace with God. Now we've got to deal with some consequences. So we come to Jesus, and you know what? Sometimes there's legal consequences of things we've done. So we can be forgiven, but we might still go to jail if we've been convicted or something. <laughs> there's consequences in this world we've got to live out, but we can help walk through those things. Sometimes there's restitution. You pay back that which you owe. So The Bible says if you've stolen, then you give the money back and maybe add a bit more. Uh, when you're getting right with God, it affects your actions. And a lot of times restitution is this, you've got to build back trust. Sometimes it's easier to pay back financially things, but restitution is we're forgiven, but there's consequences in the process of getting right with others involves a lot of time and a lot of work. But the goal is this. We want to be restored to God. We want to have a relationship with God. We can know our creator, our father, who has purposes and plans for our life. That we can worship God together like this morning and be a part of it, not just a spectator. That we can have the spirit of God living in our heart. That we're connected. We're restored. We're brought back into a right relationship. Okay? That's the ultimate restoration. That's the beginning restoration that the second part I'm going to talk about, if you don't have that first one, you can't get the second one. That's the first one. The second restoration is if you're a Christian, okay, and you've already confessed Jesus, Lord, that you've been, the Bible says, born again, God's Spirit dwells in you, but sometimes we still mess up. We still get caught in sin. Sometimes we're like, oh man, I didn't even mean to. Sometimes we willfully rebel. But folks, okay, the onus is on us. If, if we sinned, what do we do? We do the same thing. We come to Jesus and we go through the same process. Okay? In the Bible, let me just give you some helpful scriptures to go with that. Okay. Repentance, again, we stop what we're doing wrong and we come back to Jesus. We confess our sins to others. We bring everything into the light. James 5, 16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Do you understand the community part of that? Is that? Yes, we come to God ourselves, but in our life groups, and a lot of times it's men with men, women with women, and these things. We have two or three others that we can share with in community that we take the initiative personally. We take the initiative We take the initiative if we see someone else struggling who's their brother and sister in Christ as well. And we come humbly before them. We come alongside. We ask what we can do to help. And Paul uses the word here, you who are spiritual. All that means is you who are maybe just a little bit more mature, okay? It's our, the onus is on us to come alongside others who might be struggling. And we receive forgiveness. Okay? Let me just read this from 1 John. This is such great news for us. Because you know what, folks? I deal with a lot of people struggle caught in sin getting free, but also, even when you're free, on the inside, dealing with guilt, shame, condemnation, all these things, even memories of all the different things. This is good news. John writes this. This is 1 John 1, 5 to the end, into chapter 2. says, so this is the message we have heard from Jesus and declared to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, that's God, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' His son purifies us Cleanses us from all sin. Hallelujah for Jesus. John writes, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So deal with people. Hey, I got nothing wrong. I'm not doing anything wrong. Okay? We might be fooling ourselves. The good news is this if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us or cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we've not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. His word has no place in our lives. John says, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. Folks, we don't have to keep entangled in sin. God has made a way through Jesus for salvation, that we're born in the sin. How do we get out of that position? I'm stuck here. We need to change positions. We come to Jesus. And we believe all that he is, all that he's done for us, and we become followers of Jesus. Even as followers of Jesus, sometimes we fall. We make mistakes. We make wrong choices. We get deceived. Sometimes we, you know what? We just say, you know, I don't feel God's meeting all my needs. I'm going to try something else. Idolatry. We give an idol a try. I think I'm going to be satisfied in that. And when we come to our senses, what do we do? We see someone else struggling. It's the same thing. We come to Jesus again. We confess our sins to one another. We repent. I'm sorry, I did that. I turn from it. I ask for your forgiveness. Now I believe the word of God. I am forgiven. We still have to deal with the consequences. I'm forgiven, but man, I got some mending offenses to do with other people. Maybe I need to pay something back. Maybe I got to earn trust back. We got to deal with those. Maybe I have to make restitution. But the goal is this, folks. It's always this. This is the heart of everything in church discipline and church life. The goal is this. It's restoration. Hallelujah. If not, we're all disqualified from ever serving for Jesus. We get restored with God. Okay? We make restoration with other people. We're restored in the church. So that's good news. So, folks, even many people in our church life, even in leadership and different things, Have fallen, have sinned, but by God's grace and working through a process, and over time, there's restoration that we're not going to hold that against you for the rest of your life. Even if there's consequences that might affect you for the rest of your life, and you can be restored. And Paul, who wrote this letter, was restored as one who murdered Christians. So he's living out the example. Do you see the process, though? Repent, we receive forgiveness, we deal with the consequences. We pay back. We compensate for loss or damage. And we get restored with God, with each other, and in the church. Folks, that's good news here this morning. Do you remember some of the words that were shared in worship? Okay, think about this Lazarus, come forth. Okay, that's the resurrection. You were dead, but because of coming to Jesus, he makes you alive. But sometimes we're bound up in the grave clothes. We've got to break through. How do we do it? We get restored with God through the way that he's provided through Jesus Christ. And for all of us, the great thing is we've got a humble, humble attitude by both parties. If you're caught in sin, everything in your flesh, in your pride, will be, I'm going to keep it hidden. I'm just going to try to deal with this self. Maybe I'm going to pretend it didn't really happen. And you can try to go all that, but you're not going to get restored because you can't come to restoration through your own plan. You've got to follow God's word. And everything within you hates to admit, I'm wrong. And so we've got to have a humble attitude. Now, a lot of times you can get away, you can think you can get away with sin, and no one else might even know that you've sinned. And we've got to take the onus. If God puts his finger on it and we know it's wrong, we've got to come with a brother or a sister and say, I'm going to follow God's words. I'm going to confess my sins one to another. You don't have to tell the whole world. You've one or two people, witnesses, accountable with it. And that's a humble attitude and we humble ourselves before God and say, God, I've sinned against you. Now, for those of us maybe who see others in sin or we're the ones someone comes and confesses something to, guess what? we got a very humble attitude as well because none of us are on our high horse looking down saying, oh, man, I can't believe you did that. What were you thinking, you idiot, you fool? I would never do that. Every one of us is one step away, one bad decision from being the one coming and saying, i got to confess this. And how do you want to be treated when it's maybe your time? You want to be received by somebody who's gracious and who's going to speak the truth in love. And yes, we're going to deal with things. We don't shove them under the rug. We're going to deal with them. But we do it in a very humble attitude. So it's a humble attitude from both parties. If you're caught in sin, folks, there's a loving family that wants to help deal with you. Because you know what? Sometimes you might have to deal with me. (laughs) And you're going to help me. And we're in this together. Because our goal is restoration. So part of a spirit-filled life of following Jesus. It's a life of restoration. In salvation, you're restored to a right relationship with God. You're not separated anymore. You're united with Christ. As a Christian, when you sin, you get distant from God. In every way. In your mind, in your emotions. You can be in worship and feel like, oh man, I'm not feeling God well. Maybe there's some things we need to get right and get restored to in order for us to walk with God. And we come at it with a humble attitude. And okay, another thing of being spirit, life is this. We take responsibility. And again, Jesus is our example. Jesus took responsibility when he came here to plant our. Jesus even took responsibility for things that weren't his to be responsible for. And Jesus is our example. And Paul gives us really command, that we're to bear with each other's burdens. And the word here for burden means this. It's a heavy weight or stone someone is required to carry for a long distance. Okay? Let me just say that again. A burden is a heavy weight or stone, in that example, someone is required to carry for a long distance. So, come to Jesus, and Jesus our example that Jesus is the ultimate burden bearer. He took the weight of our sin upon him. He took in his example, even on planet Earth as you go through the Gospels, you see that Jesus took on things that weren't his responsibility in order to help and to serve others. That's the example. That's the Jesus, we, that's the Jesus who lives inside of us. As we come alongside of those, and the reality is this folks, we all go through hardships. So no matter who you are, there are going to be burdens that you're going to have to bear. And we can go through example and relationship. You might have to go through people who are unforgiving and different things that you're going to have to put up with the consequences of that for a long time. You might have physical ailments. You might have relationship issues. You can go through the list, all kinds of different things that you're going to have hardship and burdens. And folks, what Paul's getting at is this. We go against self-sufficiency that we think we can just be stoic and I can pull it all together and I can do it all on my own. And once again, we come and say we're humble. Say, folks in church, you're allowed to say this. I need help. I can't do it on my own. I need help. And again, the world will tell you you're being weak. The world will tell you everything goes against what we're saying here. You can do it on on your own. hide, don't show any weakness, don't show any fear, hide all those things. And Paul's saying, we come together as Jesus, as his community, and we say, guys, I'm struggling, I need help, I can't bear this burden on my own, I need someone to help come alongside me, just as Jesus is our example. And it puts an arrow right through self-sufficiency, which is, I believe, a little G God in our world. That most magazines will, everything will point you towards you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. And most of the time, we appear weak as Christians because we say, I can't do it. We wave the white flag. I need help. Folks, that's one of the best things you can do. Because in family, and church life, we're to come alongside one another. Now, here's just it. Paul balances with this. He also says this. And this is really, 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 really important. Carry your own load. So the word here, that word load, it's a picture of a soldier with their own like backpack, their own supplies for them that they carry. It's not a huge one, it's enough for them to be able to carry. And in church life sometimes what happens is we have two things. We go one extreme where we never ask anyone for help and we try to do it all ourselves and we get crushed. Or we have the attitude how come nobody's helping me? And we expect everybody else to do something for us and we take no responsibility to be able to to take ownership of what God's called us to do. So let me just kind of flesh out very quickly what I'm trying to say is the difference, okay? When you're to carry your own load, this is what Paul's getting at, and this is what we mean today. You're responsible to take authority and to take responsibility for your thought life and your actions and your attitudes and that no one else can do that for you. So bearing, okay, Bearing your own load is this. Only I can take responsibility. Only I can read the word for myself. Only I can worship God for myself. Only I can pray. Only I am able to say, I'm tempted in this. I reject that thought. That's not from Jesus. I'm going to choose the truth over here, and I'm going to follow Jesus. Only I can do those things. You can't do them for me. And many times people want help, but they want everybody to do all those things for them, and other people can't do it. You've got to take responsibility. Say, I'm going to carry my own load, and that's this. I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to read the Word of God. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to say no to TV and Facebook and everything else, and I'm going to get away with God, and I'm going to meditate, and I'm going to think upon His Word, and I'm going to pray for others, and I'm going to be able to fill myself up with good things from the Word of God, because that's my responsibility. Now, I'm dealing with this huge burden that I'm going to need some others to come alongside, but I'm leading myself in these other things? Do you see the difference between the two? That's a big thing to understand the difference between a hardship that comes along that we need others, and in our life groups, what do we do? We pray for each other together. Can you guys pray? Can you gather around? Can you pray for this thing? Can you maybe help me financially? Can you help me with some cooking? Can you help me with some cleaning? There's different things that we can do in action-wise, but other people can't read the Bible for you. Other people can't pray the prayers that you should be. Other people can't filter through thoughts that you are responsible to say, does that line up with the word of God? No, I reject it and I choose truth. People can't do that for you. And Paul's saying, in the community of following Jesus and being spirit-filled, we're like Jesus. We're concerned about other people. Jesus left heaven. He came to earth because he came to be concerned about people. And in our individualistic, isolated world, where it's about me, myself, and I, we break through of that, and we say as a Christian, I'm looking to see who is my neighbor that I can love. And I'm going to help serve, even if it gets me out of my comfort zone, even sometimes it's a pain and it's a sacrifice. But in that, I'm going to take responsibility to carry my own load. i got my own backpack on. I need to feed myself. I need to take care of myself. The other people, I can't expect other people to do that. That's Satan's responsibility. That's being Jesus. Jesus is our ultimate burden bearer. He took the weight of our sin. Okay? And to be like Jesus, we become responsible for helping others, but we become responsible for leading ourselves. And this leads into the last thing that Paul brings in this passage. Okay? This whole idea. Okay? We want to be restored. We want to be responsible because there's a huge principle in life called sowing and reaping that is there that Paul wants to remind us to pay attention to. And again, he just says this, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. And he continues on, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Folks, you've got to remember this. We've got to hear it over and over again. Okay? God is watching. We've got to have an eternal Godward word Perspective. And the Bible is full, you can read it in the Psalms, you can read it in Proverbs. The Bible is full of this, of good people who are trying to follow God, crying out to God saying, God, the wicked seem to prosper, and I'm following you, and my world's a mess. And that's not fair, and I don't like it, what are you going to do about it? And that's being honest with God. God, all these people are not following you, and look, man, they're living the high life, and I'm trying to follow you, and man, you've destroyed my world. And I'm not happy about it and I hate it, and what do I do? And Paul says, you've got to remember this, because the end of those psalms and those proverbs go like this, but God, there's going to be a payday someday, and the wicked might seem to enjoy, but there'll be a time. Because most of the time in those verses it says this, our life is a vapor and a mist. <laughs> and the flowers come up in the morning, and the sun shines, and by the afternoon, ah, They're gone. And our life, even though we think it's long in the span of eternity, is pretty quick. And Paul says you've got to have an eternal perspective. That First of all, God's involved. So if you don't think there's a God and you're just living your life, whatever, I just want you here this morning, okay? This is something for you to consider. There is a God. And that one day we're going to give an account of how we lived our lives and what we believed or what we didn't believe. And we're going to reap what we sow. It's a principle of life. It's a biblical principle. And Paul says, if you're going to sow to the flesh, you're going to sow to the world, you're going to sow to yourself, okay, you're going to feed the flesh, that I'm going to try to do everything I can to feed and be satisfied with the things of this world. You're going to reap corruption and destruction. Okay, that word corruption, you know what it means? It means a rotting corpse. A very sobering And I don't know if you've ever been around a dead body. Okay? There's nothing more sobering than a wake-up call. And Paul's saying, "If you're going to sow to the flesh, okay, it reaps corruption. Okay? It stinks. Okay? And Paul's saying that here on planet Earth, but he's also saying, you might not see it till eternity, but we're going to stand before God if we didn't follow Jesus, and we didn't put our trust in Him, okay? and we pleased ourselves and we disregarded God, there's a payday coming for eternity. We're going to be in hell. We're going to be separated from God. Okay? That's the reality. However, the good news is this. If we sow to please Jesus and we sow to follow the Holy Spirit, then we reap eternal life. We reap and eternity in heaven with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Peace with God, satisfaction with God, joy with God, love with God. Okay? That's a wake up call for us. It's a wake up call. If you don't consider yourself a Christian here this morning, that's a wake up call to consider okay, is Jesus really real? Is God really real? And if He is, then what am I? How do I respond to that? Okay? It's a response to those of us who are Christians. To recognize this. You know what? We live in a hard world and to be honest, sometimes we get lazy and sometimes we get disheartened and we can give up sometimes and say, you know what? I seem to be sowing a lot and I ain't seeing any good from it, so And that leads to our last point. God's saying, hey, folks, you know what? we got some farmers here this morning. Okay. They sow in the spring. And they can't predict the exact day that they're going to reap. But you know this. There's a season of reaping. And there might be rain. There might be hail. There might be storms and all that. And so there's lots of things that go along. However, usually there's some sort of harvest. I should be a farmer. Because sometimes I think I'd rather deal with that than deal with spiritual things where you sow... And you sow, and you sow, and you think, in May I did this, so by October I should see this. Guess what? Ah, It's not like that. You can sow in years. Weeks, months, years, and years. You might not even see. And God's saying, hey, remember, I see it all. And there is a harvest coming. And don't get discouraged. Don't get disheartened. Wherever you can do good, do good all the time. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. Do good. So and so, and where you have an opportunity to do good or to speak good or to act good, do it because someday there will be an outcome from that. You please Jesus, first of all, that's an outcome right there, but there will be some tangible thing even if we don't see it till heaven. And that's an encouragement for us. Paul says don't give up, don't give up. And I just say to some people specifically here this morning, okay, we see it, I think, with our street level, okay, Kelly, everyone, do good, do good, do good, do good, even if sometimes you don't feel like you see the outcome. There will be a harvest someday, okay? I encourage those of you serving in our, with our kids' church, okay, one of the, and with our fuel, our youth group, that's one of the biggest things you can sow into. So I encourage you to get involved in our kids' church, guys. We need you in kids' church. It's a great opportunity. You're sowing, okay, and you might not see the harvest, okay. We got Lee Smith at North this weekend, okay. Whatever, 17 years old, going for God, okay. Gale sowing good into Marlee, whatever. Over the last 20 years, before Lee was even born, okay, not knowing. 17 years later, Lee's going to be okay, at this conference going for God. Sewing. And we can remember when Lee was actually quite a pain in kids' church, to be honest. Okay? <laughs> He's not here, so I can say that. Lee, sorry if you listen to this online. And some of you are going like, what are we doing? And at youth group, you're going like, what are we doing? Middle school? Oh, man, what tough. so, so, so. So, so. Okay. Don't, get, don't give up. Don't get weary. Where you have an opportunity to do good, that you're motivated from Jesus Christ, you do good because you're going to reap a harvest. And folks, we're all going to reap a harvest one way or another. There's no neutral. Okay. I say it again. That's the lie of the devil, that there's a neutral. There's a good and a bad, and I'll just be a neutral. Okay. So if I don't do too many bad things, and I do a few good things, then I'm kind of in the safe range doesn't exist. We're either in Christ or we're not. We're either separated from God or we're at peace with God. Okay. So in review, as we follow Jesus, okay, and we recognize who Jesus is, and we recognize he's Lord and Savior, and that ultimate okay, reconciliation, restoration of putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ so that we can be at peace with God. Okay, And that's not just like something in the future. That's present day reality every single day. And he puts his spirit within us. So now that we're empowered and we're motivated to live a life that pleases God, and we actually know all those things of the world that I used to be attracted to, don't cut it anymore because I've tasted something better. Okay, And now my attention and my passion and my desire is for Jesus. That now gets worked out in community. That's not just an individualistic thing. That gets worked out that if I maybe who are following God and I'm trying to do my best with God's help, see someone caught in sin, I'm going to help them humbly. And if I'm caught in a sin, I'm going to be honest and I'm going to take responsibility to say I need to come alongside and confess that and get free from it and follow God's way so I can be not distant from God, but I can be on fire and passionate for God. And out of that, we go from that whole restoration to taking responsibility We're feeding ourselves, we're carrying our own load, but I'm looking around saying, who else can I help? So it's not just, I'm just going to take care of myself and I'm just going to mind my own business because I don't want to help anyone else. Because you know what, to be honest, that's just a big sacrifice. Yes, it is. It's a big sacrifice. Folks, our goal in this world is not to have an easy life. Okay? So, in this world we're going to have trouble and hardship. But we're going to be like Jesus and we're going to help take responsibility. I'm going to bear other people's burdens. I'm going to carry my own load. And, folks, we're going to reap what we sow. So be mindful what are we sowing? What are we sowing? If you're single, okay, what are you sowing to yourself, first of all? What are you reading? Okay, what are you looking at? What's motivating you? Okay, where are you getting your values from? In family life, kids, are you obeying your parents? Are you serving, taking responsibility, or helping others? As parents, what are we sowing into our? Family, are we sowing criticism and sarcasm? Laziness? Or are we sowing encouragement? Loving discipline? Worship? Okay? In our workplace, what's our attitude? What are our actions? What are we sowing too? Because we're going to reap both here on planet Earth and ultimately before God. We're going to stand before God. And we're going to give an account of our lives. So there's a good news here this morning. Jesus is the answer for all these things. We come to Jesus. We're separated from him. We don't know God. We come to Jesus. We're already a Christian. We're distant because of sin. We come to Jesus. We come to Jesus because he's our example for taking responsibility. We come to Jesus because he's the example of sowing and reaping. He did what he saw his father wanting him to do, and he reaps a great reward. He went to the cross and multitudes are coming to the Father through him. He's reaping what he sowed. So this morning, there's a response to this. There might be a response to, you know what, I realize I'm separated from God. If I were to die today, okay, there's no guilt trip involved. This is the reality. Okay, Am I at peace with God? Do I know God? What would I say when I stand before God? Then we can say, you know what? I can stand before God and say, I'm with him. I'm with Jesus. I'm in him. And he makes me right with you. And it's by grace, nothing I've done, I'm with him. Maybe as a Christian here this morning, you realize, you know what, maybe you've been playing with sin. Maybe you're entangled in sin. Maybe you've got something hidden. Maybe you realize you're just lukewarm. You're like, well, I'm not really in sin, but I'm not really passionate for God either. Ah, you know what? Let's get right with God, okay? Maybe we need to talk to someone this week. Maybe we need to repent of some things, confess some things. Maybe we need to make restitution. Let's get restored, with God so we don't feel distant, we're not kind of on the sidelines, that we're passionate for Jesus Christ. And from that, it gets worked out in community that we're helping each other, but we're carrying our own load, and that we sow by doing good all the time. Everywhere we go, we're doing good. We're believing for the best, saying, God, I'm going to give money to someone, and I'm going to just pray that you are going to reap something from that in my giving. I'm going to help somebody this week, even in the most practical sort of thing. But God, I'm doing it for you, and you see it, and you're going to do something with it. Okay, Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you today for your word. Thank you for this church. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for every person here this morning. God, it's not by accident, God, but you've brought them here, Lord, to hear your word, to experience worship and communicating with you and relationship with you. And I just pray now, Holy Spirit, would you come, and that you are the one who convicts people. You're the one who brings revelation. You bring understanding. You come and you stir hearts and minds. Would you lift people to see Jesus Christ? Maybe for the first time here this morning as Lord and Savior. Would you lift heads maybe of those who are like Lazarus? They're alive, but they're bound up. Lord, we pray for freedom today. And God, we pray, Lord, as we get free, that means we're free to serve others in love as Jesus did. Would you help us in all these things? We pray. Come now, lead us even more. Holy Spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, I'm going to ask the worship team to come, and uh, we're going to sing one more song. Just And again, this is a time to respond. Sometimes there's an immediate response. God's put his finger on your heart, and we want to give opportunity for right now. Sometimes our response is this. We live it out now through the rest of the week, and uh, we're always responding to God. But we don't want to miss this moment, okay? If God's put his finger on something and you want to respond to that, we want to give opportunity to that. You can do that maybe in the worship. You can do that afterwards and speaking to one of us. You can do it this week into your life groups and different things in our small groups in church life where you get to connect. Hey, okay, we encourage you to do that. So as the worship team, why don't you stand if you're able? And John and the team are going to lead us in this response to the word and to those prophetic words that were shared during our worship time of really coming to Jesus, maybe for the first time or maybe for the hundredth time of coming to Jesus in order that we can be restored with God and out that we can help others.